Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Pastor Ben uh, Dossi from Harvest and I are going to share the message this morning. And we're going to be in John chapter 17. So if you've got a Bible with you, I invite you to find John 17. And we're actually going to take the last, focus in on the last portion of that chapter from verse 20 onward. And uh, we're, we're looking at what it means to be in unity, that we may be one. And, and there's some, you know, different ways of looking at that. So we're going to kind of split this up here this morning. Uh, it's, you know, it's funny when you think about Fresno, there's 500 plus churches in our city and they meet in, you know, everything from St. John's Cathedral downtown to a building like this, to homes, to storefronts, to schools, uh, you, you name it, the whole, the whole, the whole gamut. And not, there's no two of those churches that are identical. Uh, if you walk, for example, if you go to a McDonald's or a Starbucks in Fresno or New York or Manila, or London, you're going to have essentially the same experience wherever you go. Uh, except, well, in Manila, you'll also get rice in addition to your fries. But, you know, you're going to have the same experience wherever you go. It's not like that with the church. It's different in every place. It's one of the reasons I, Becky and I love, uh, you know, we love to visit a church when we're on vacation because we want to see the variety and see what else God is doing. Yet we can walk into a church. You could walk into any church in the Christian church in the world today, not know a soul, not even know the language, and you would know we're family. We belong. We're with God's people. It's an amazing experience. But I want to just talk a little bit about what motivates that, and then Pastor Ben's going to talk about kind of our unity together as a people. Um, and, and, and so to, to get started, we're gonna, we're gonna get into John, uh, 17. And, um, you know, it's this uniqueness of God in three persons and one, as we sometimes, we sing, right? God in three persons, blessed Trinity, and manifested in that way. So John chapter 17, picking up at verse 20. And because um, here at Bethany Church, we typically read from the New Living Translation, and our friends at Harvest use the English Standard Version, and I know I've got some folks at Bethany that love the ESV, so we're going to use the ESV uh, this morning uh, um, for our reading. John 17, verse 20 says, I do not ask, this is Jesus praying, he says, I do not ask for these only. He's referring to his immediate disciples who are with him. This is this is in the upper room. They've just taken communion together, the Last Supper, and uh, and just prior to his arrest and crucifixion, Jesus prays, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that's all of us. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Isn't that remarkable? Jesus is praying that we could be with him and see his glory. Wow. Oh, righteous uh, Father, 
Even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. When John writes, especially when you get into First John, Second John, he's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't he? Ben, he's just like you got you got to practice a little bit. He, he gets you gets you going. But John 17 is the whole chapter is what we call the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It's Jesus praying to the Father. He's praying for he's praying for himself. He's praying for his disciples, and he's praying uh, for us. And um, it's this communion that we're going to celebrate a little bit later in the service. It's that setting of unity in which he's praying. And Jesus' desire for us is that we would experience what he and the Father have. Perfect unity. Perfect union. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're not three gods. They're not. They're one, but they're three distinct, unique uh, persons of God. Inseparably one, and yet different, distinct in their role, and their function, and their purpose. It's, an, it's, it's a core... Um, conviction and belief of the of the Christian church. Now, why does God's unity in himself matter to you and me, to us? It matters because if God's divided, we can never be in unity. But because God is one, we can experience oneness, right? And so then you think about this way. When you, when you look at what's happening in our world, so messed up and unstable, the perfection of God's unity... Um, in this unstable world, uh, gives us perfect security, right? So in a world unstable, God is perfectly stable. God's perfect in his power. He's perfect in his glory. If God were riddled with division in himself, we would have no reason to trust him. We couldn't trust him. We couldn't follow him. Think about this in the home. You parents, for those of you uh, may remember this, and, and those of us who remember being kids will remember uh, the best way to get what you want is the divide and conquer strategy, right? You work mom a little bit, and you work dad a little bit, and if you can get a wedge, you get what you want, probably. And as parents, you know, like, hey, we got to stay on the same page, no matter what, we're agreeing on this. And then you go to the bedroom, like, I thought we were going to do this. What's that? It's not what I said. I... You know, and then you walk out and you smile and say, yes, we are totally in agreement, kids, even though you're not. You hold it, you hold the line on unity, right? Well, when you think about the household of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are in perfect unity for the benefit of us kids. And, and how does God achieve that unity in, in himself? Uh, he, the secret to God's unity is love. The secret to God's unity is love. The submission of Jesus to the Father, right? The submission of the Holy Spirit to Jesus and the God the Father pouring out his love to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. So it's perfect and it's mutual. So we learn from this passage that God loved Jesus before creation, before the, before the foundation of the world, before anything was created, Jesus was, and he was loved by God the Father. Verse 17 says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world, before the foundation of the world. Verse 26 captures it again. I've made known, I've made you known to them, Jesus says, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. 
God loves Jesus the Son. God the Father loves the Son. And I find it totally and, and absolutely and amazingly reassuring to think about God the Father loving the Son so deeply. Right? It makes the cross more meaningful to know that Jesus wasn't ordered to the cross. Not like a, like a soldier being commanded to the front line. You're going to go whether you want to or not. Jesus wasn't commanded to the cross. He was sent and he responded in obedience to his Father. Jesus had the option. He could have said, you know what? I'm out. I don't want this. He could have bailed. And he didn't because he was obedient to the Father and he loved us. And, and, and Jesus, at, you know, had that free will. He chose obedience. And so that's helpful to me. So when you walk into the classroom tomorrow morning or your workplace or when you, when your, you know, your kids drop off their kids for you to watch for the day, grandma, grandpa, right? You have an assurance that God is perfect in his unity and stability. You have an assurance that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are not falling apart. They're not scrambling to, to hold this together. Right? Their supreme sovereignty is established firmly in their unity and you're invited into relationship with them. No matter what happens here, today, tomorrow, and the next day, God's got it. And I'm going to invite Pastor Ben at this point to join me here on the platform. Because God is in perfect unity in himself and Jesus prays that we may be in them, in the Father and the Son, we can be in unity. So we don't manufacture unity. We reflect unity. And I think that's such an important uh, thing to grasp. Pastor Ben. Great. Thank you, Pastor Brian, uh, sharing the unity that exists within the Godhead. I'm going to be talking about the unity that exists among believers. And what we find from this passage is the model for our unity. If you take a look at verse 21, it says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. So the question that may come to your mind is, who are the they that Jesus is referring to? The they are the disciples, and by extension, you, the church. He's praying for us that, that we would be one just as they are one. So we see that that model exists. So that might trigger another question. Well, uh, how are we one like them? They're God. We're not. Well, there is a oneness that they experience that we do not. They are one in essence. And they are one in their attributes. They are co-equal. And as much as we would like to be omnipotent, especially in our own households, we are not. Right? So we're not one like them with those uh, incommunicable attributes. So then how are we one with the Godhead? Well, as Pastor Brian shared with us, right? They are one. There are no obstacles between them. There's no divided agendas. There's no divided plans. There's no divided purposes among them. And what they do have, especially, is that love for one another. That unobstructed, undivided love. That perfect love. And that is the unity that we are to experience as believers. But when you think about that and you talk about unity in the, in the church and you look at how it's not really unified in so many different ways, you, I'm going to just talk about some of the ways, uh, the false unity, in a sense, or, or different ways what unity is not. This is what Jesus is not praying for. And that is organizational unity. 
organizational unity. That's external unity. So even within the church, let's say uh, a group of churches wanted to get together for a social cause to uh, help uh, the, the city of Fresno. The, the Alliance of Fresno Churches uh, for um, Evangelical Churches for Fresno. And there's issues of, of hunger, uh, feeding, the, feeding the homeless, uh, drug addiction, uh, human trafficking. So how are they going to decide what to promote, what to support? It's, it's subjective. It, it, it depends. And even if they decide on something, let's say they decide to, to promote or to support and, and to contribute their efforts to, to stop human trafficking, how, how has that come about? Well, someone who might have the most influence. Or a vote. And they might vote, 51% of the churches that were together voted that yes, we're gonna work on human trafficking. But others, Wanted to work on feeding the homeless. Oh, I'll help with human But I really want to feed, feed the homeless. How much unity is there? Not very much, right? So there's division. And that's not the unity that Jesus prayed for. Nor is unity uniformity or conformity. And that's when people get together because of shared preferences. We, we, we love ourselves, we like ourselves, and we like people who are like us, who, who share the same, uh, who are in the same social circles, who, who, who share the same politics that we do, who, who share the same way that we may uh, decide to, to parent or the same schools. So that type of uniformity or conformity exists based on preferences. And when you think about it, and you think about the church, look what has happened to the church over the past year and a half. The church is divided over COVID, it's divided over race, it's divided over politics and social issues. So we see there that it really depends. That's not real unity. It's very temporal. So then what is the unity that Jesus prayed? He prayed that they may all be one just as he is in the Father and the Father's in him. In verse 23, I in them and you and me that they may become perfectly one. Biblical unity is based on and relies on the Holy Spirit. It, it's, it's the foundation of Jesus Christ. It has it has nothing to do with preferences. The Afghan brothers and, and sisters that are about to be slaughtered do you care about their politics? Do you care if they voted for that they were supportive of, of Trump or Biden? What their view of mass were? It's absolutely irrelevant. It has nothing to do with true unity, and neither does it for us. If the foundation is Jesus Christ. So how do you get this unity? Well, verse 22 tells us, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. So it's based on the glory that was 
given to us that he had. So what, what is that glory? Well, if we look earlier in the chapter, chapter 17, verses 1 and 2, it gives us the answer. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give external uh, eternal life to all whom you have given him. The hour has come. It's a cross. The glory he's referring to is the humiliation, the incarnation culminating both in the cross. It is the exaltation and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that exists at the cross, at when the, when the empty cross. It is that which is the gospel. The life-giving message of, of Jesus Christ. That is the glory that he's referring to. And it is, when you come to Christ, you don't come to him as an individual. You come to him in community with other believers. We, we just had the baptism. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful testimonies and celebration of our oneness. And that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 13. That was a, the water baptism. Now we're talking about the baptism of the Spirit that makes us one. For in one Spirit we all are baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We are all made to drink of one Spirit. It's a, it's a community. It's a oneness, it's a relationship that we have based on the foundation of Jesus Christ and one another. And the examples in the Bible regarding unity are that of family. Being brothers and sisters. We all have the same father. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to all who uh, did receive him, referring to Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we're all children of God. Do you choose your brothers and sisters? Your physical brothers and sisters? No. Nor do you choose your spiritual brothers and sisters. But we are our brother's keeper. We are in this together. And whether you like it or not, you have brothers and sisters and the basis of unity is the shed blood of Christ and the love that we have for one another. And the body. That's another metaphor that the Bible uses. The body. We all have different functions. One person's a, an ear, one person's a foot, one person's a hand, and there's diversity in the body. And thank the Lord there's diversity in the body. Thank the Lord that, that uh, Brian has unique experiences and, and someone else has unique experiences and that God built all of this together and put it all together so that we can glorify the Son. The various gifts and talents and resources and life experiences. And there's a purpose for all of this. We didn't get saved just just to avoid the flames of hell. Verse 21, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. So the unity that we're to experience, that, that love that we are to have for one another, to build one another up, is to put Jesus on display. 
It's to put the glory of the cross on display for all the world to see how can, how can these people be together and love each other? Look at how different they are. And yet they love each other. That's the testimony of Christ. And that's what we're going to be celebrating right now with the ordinance of, of communion. That shared life that we have together through the, through the perfect life of Christ, his body, and the blood that he shed. Yeah, Pastor yeah. Brian's going to share with us the Yeah, thanks, Pastor Ben. Communion. But Ben's so right. I just love this notion of, like you said, how different we can be, and yet the world can, can look. That it's not that we're all the same, but the very fact that we're different and love one another and worship together is a great testimony. And Jesus must have seen all this as he went to the cross. He, he, he had to have known what would happen and, uh, in his, in his perfection, his, his omniscience. And so the apostle Paul records, um, his experience of encountering Jesus and Jesus revealing to him, how do we remember? How do we like remind ourselves of the unity that we have with one another in Christ? Well, one way is this very simple act we call communion or the Lord's Supper. The Apostle Paul recorded it this way when he wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, directly from the Lord. On the night he was betrayed, the night Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it and he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. We don't do this to remember anything else. We don't do this to remember ourselves or our abilities or or anything, but we do this to remember Jesus. And so as we peel that off, I'm going to pray and then we'll take that bread. Jesus, we thank you for your body broken for us. We thank you for this little wafer that represents uh, what you went through on the cross to take on our sin upon yourself. All our wrongdoing, all our petty jealousies and our competitiveness, our sexual sin, our uh, our greed, Lord, everything, everything. You took that upon yourself willingly. You became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God through you. So we praise you for that. And we take this in remembrance of Jesus. Church, just break it in remembrance of his body broken for you. And take the bread. He carries on in the same way. He took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Heavenly Father, we are uh, so grateful that you sent your Son to not just live a perfect, sinless life for us, but to go on the cross and to shed his blood. And we are so grateful that the shed blood just evaporates and melts away the divisions that exist, the external divisions. and, And we have a union with each other and with you based on the shed blood of your Son. And it is this that we're celebrating. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. In remembrance of Jesus. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Worship team, why don't you join me on the platform? This is the good news. Jesus is going to come again. Yes, he is. And, you know, Ben, I heard, a, I was listening to a podcast of a mess, minister pastor yesterday, and he was talking about 
all these different denominations and good godly people in the past who've said, no, we've got the right angle and we've got the right angle. And he said, some of them are going to get to heaven and look at each other and say, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, you know, there's, uh, that's the great promise that we have that this great and glorious day when uh, all those differences are going to be swept away. And we stand before Jesus and we recognize, oh, it was the lamb. It was about the lamb that was slain. Isn't good? Thank you for sharing Thank you, the word this morning. Let's go into this last song together. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.